1: With me for the reading of the word. It's Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, What you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to his churches. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Amen. Thanks, Shay. Thanks for standing for God's word. This is an important book. It's alive. And uh, God's going to speak to us today through it. Uh, If you have served in the military, you're a veteran. I'd like to, for you to stay standing. Everybody else, have a seat. And let's just take a moment. Let's honor those who have served our country. There they are. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys. It was veterans, veterans Day this last week. Just wanted to appreciate our veterans. Thank you so much. And this Saturday, there is a party going on at Palomino Park. And so, you know, we want to be a church not just in our city, but for our city and serve our city and help people. And so Spanish Church and us, anyone who wants to join us is going to go and serve. It's not our party. It's actually Mentor Kids. We love Mentor Kids, faith-based after-school mentorship program that serves the Palomino Schools. They use our facility a lot. So we're just going to go and partner with them, serve with them in the park 1 o'clock this Saturday. So if you're interested in being a part of that and just going and serve and being a part of the party, it's at 1 o'clock. But let us know on your Connect card, and we can send you the information and it'd be fun. It'd be just a great opportunity for us just to go and serve at somebody else's event and just connect with people. And uh, our goal is just to make a difference in this community, and this is one way we can do that, We're just building bridges. Now, this last January, an article was released in CNN, and I just read it just a few weeks ago. It just kind of shocked me, but it talked about what they're doing in our country with empty churches, and there's churches... Buildings that are empty all over our country, and a lot of other religions and faiths are actually purchasing these old churches, Christian churches, and they're turning them into like their, their mosque or their place of worship. Sometimes it's other businesses that are buying these buildings, and to me, when I read that article, it just broke my heart. Here are buildings that once housed a community of believers full of life and love of Jesus. And now it was closed and sold to somebody else. You can actually go to Uptown, right? At, I think it's Osborne and 7th Street, Uptown Phoenix. And there's this place called Taco Guild. Anybody been to the Taco Guild? Okay, so I, I hear it's got good food. It's got super cool vibe. You can go in there. You know, it's uh, stained glass windows because it's an old United Methodist church. And so people would go there and say, this is cool. This is awesome. This is a great vibe. And I guess it has good tacos, but I see that, and honestly, my heart breaks. I can get tacos anywhere, all over here, but my heart breaks because that was a building that once saw people's lives changed by the power of Jesus. Salvations, baptisms took place. There was a community that was alive and in love with Jesus, and somewhere along the lines, they got comfortable, they grew complacent, and then the church closed. That breaks my heart. I bet sometime along that way, the Spirit was speaking to them. You guys are not going the right direction. Maybe a similar message that we just read that we're going to look at in, in more depth here this morning, that Jesus said to Sardis, saying, you're dead. Wake up. I'll bet you there were many times where the Spirit was trying to speak that to all these churches that are closing across our country, and it continues to happen at alarming rates. Friends, this is why it's so important for you and I to listen to the Spirit. Verse six says, whoever has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, this is something Jesus says every single time as we look at one of these seven churches in Revelation. And I pray that we would have this posture again today that we would say, Jesus, I'm willing. I'm ready to receive. I will listen. Hey, God's given you some physical ears. But he also wants to give you spiritual ears to hear what he speaks to you today, what he speaks to us today. Notice it says churches, and so all the churches are to take heed the message of these specific churches. Each church had a specific message for them, but this is to all the churches. This is to all of us here today. And I pray that our heart posture would be one of my ears are open, Holy Spirit. I'm willing. I'm ready whatever you want to speak to me. He might speak something crazy to you today. Are you willing to listen? What if he has some plans for you that you had no idea about? And all of a sudden, Holy Spirit speaks to you and says, I'm calling you to be a missionary in India. What would you say to that? Huh? You're like, oh, wait a second, wrong, wrong person. You're not talking about me, you know? And We have those conversations and those wrestling messages, but rest, uh, those matches, but it's important for us to have this posture of like, okay, I really am open, Jesus. Yeah. I really do want what you have for me in this life. Is your heart there? I pray that it is. It's so important because we don't want what happened to us, it happened to Sardis, happened to us. We want to be people that are full of life. Yeah. So let's look at this here. Verse one, we finally made it to chapter three in Revelation. Yeah, there we go. It's... Taken us a while. Verse 1, to the angel of the church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Again, this is a reference Jesus is using back to that original vision in chapter 1. And so if you want to know and understand that, then you can go back and listen to previous messages. Jesus goes on to say, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are Dead. So Sardis is a very interesting town, a very important town in ancient times. It was the capital of ancient Lydia, and it was this very heavily fortified city. In fact, the original Sardis, the city of Sardis, was up on this 1,500-foot cliff overlooking the rest of, you know, as Sardis expanded over the cliff and went down below, it was overlooking all of that. But the original city was on a cliff, and they fortified it with walls. And so it was considered to be impenetrable. Armies and kingdoms tried to conquer Sardis, but for a long time, they struggled, they couldn't. Even Alexander the Great couldn't do it, but he, along with some other army later on, they were able to conquer the city only because they found a secret back door. But it was really an impenetrable city. This is like something out of Lord of the Rings and the great white city with the, on the cliff and the walls and all that. This is like, just, just picture that, that's what Sardis was. So it's famous, it's strong. It was wealthy for years for lots of different reasons, but at the time this letter is being written and sent to, to Sardis, it was now just a shadow of what it used to be. It was struggling, and unfortunately, so was the church. The church was no longer alive like it had previously been. Oh, well, they had a reputation that they were alive, People around the area and around the region thought they were alive, but Jesus is saying, hey, you can't fool me. I can see right into your hearts. I know how you're doing. I know your hearts. I know your thoughts. I know what's going on. Everybody else around thinks you're alive, but that's not the case. You're dead. The reputation didn't line up with the reality. And it's important we understand that for us, our reputation, our reality can be much different like the Christians here in Sardis. And the goal is that our reputation does line up with our reality because that's integrity, my friends. I love to play basketball. I played all my life. I don't enjoy running, but you give me a ball and I'll run. And so it's helped keep me in shape for the most part as an adult. I just enjoy basketball. And one of the things I've always enjoyed in my basketball years is seeing the guy come to the court And he's got like the newest set of Air Jordans or Kobe's, like the $250 shoes. And he's got this outfit to match it. And as he walks out on the court, you're thinking, that's probably the best guy on the court today. And then they start playing, and you're like, this guy is struggling. He is lacking the skills. Like he looks like he's a really good basketball player, but his image is not lining lining up with his skills. He's got an image problem there, and that's just fine. It's okay to wear that stuff. He wants to wear that stuff, but this is kind of one of those things where we can get this impression from people based upon an image that they are somebody that they aren't, and the truth is we can do the same thing from us to other people, and we can struggle with our reputation and our image. In fact, I think sometimes we can struggle with what I call image idolatry. Image idolatry is what I would call, as long as I convince people of the image I want them to have of me, I feel good about myself. That is image idolatry, and idolatry is anything I put above God. And so when it comes to my image, I am placing the value of, of what other people think about me higher than what God thinks about me. It's image idolatry. Like I could be just coasting and barely making it in life and struggling spiritually, not growing. But as long as everybody thinks I'm okay, then I feel okay about myself. I could be living off of past experiences. You know, I'm not really seeking God. I've lost the hunger. I've lost the passion. I'm not growing at all. But if people don't know that and I put up a good front, a good image, then I can feel good about myself. is This image idolatry. This, by the way, is why we often find ourselves buying things we can't afford. <laughs> like we buy the car we can't afford and the clothes we can't afford and the home we can't afford. Because we don't want people to think that we're a nobody, right? It's like they got to know that I've arrived, I've made it, I can take care of myself, I got the stuff. And we love to put up this image, and we used to call this keeping up with the Joneses, right? So We buy things we shouldn't be buying because we want to put this image up. Other people get to have it. Why shouldn't I? And I want other people to see that I have it. And so image idolatry is a scary thing. And it actually can lead us to have a desire to please people over pleasing God. That's what image idolatry creates in our life, a desire to please people over God. And the Bible talks about a fear of man and a fear of God. It says, watch out for the fear of man. It is a snare. It's a trap. That's what the fear of man is. When I, and fear of man is basically, I just want to please people. I want them to think highly of me, and I care more about that than what God thinks about me. I care more about that than having a fear of God, which is just a a reverence and a desire to please God above everyone else. Image idolatry will produce this desire to please people over pleasing God, and I pray that God would break that over our life. I pray that none of us would fall prey to that, although we may... Slip there at moments, but let's let the Spirit kind of convict us and speak to us and say, no, no, I can't allow that to control me. The fear of man is a trap. It is a snare. It will trip me up. It may not happen this week. It may not happen next week, but it will eventually catch up to you. It will cost you eventually. I remember back when I was in college, my buddy and I decided to do a spring break trip to Montana to Montana. You know, most college students love to go to the beaches of Florida and Mexico. We drove to Montana. That's where we went. But my grandfather actually had this amazing ranch just outside of Missoula. And so we wanted to go and be cowboys for a week and play on the ranch and explore the mountains and hang out in Missoula. It's just this beautiful, incredible experience. So we had fun for a whole week long. And then we, at the end of the week, we packed the car, hit the road. We're cruising down I-90, going back towards Seattle. And somewhere in the middle of western Montana in the mountains of Montana there, I realized as I looked down at my gas gauge we're almost out of gas dustin and it was like pegged down to the bottom I'm looking at the mileage and I'm thinking Dustin this is not good like I I know how long our tank my tank can go on gas and we're about there. And so we're like okay Lord please we need a gas station soon. Anybody ever been there before? Huh? And so we're still cruising down the mountains of 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 western Montana. We go about five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, no exits. 20 minutes, finally, there's an exit with the gas station. And as we get close to the exit, we realize that gas station closed like 10 years ago. Like, why is this still on the sign? And so we kept going, and as we were going up this hill, my car started sputtering. And so we barely made it to the top of the hill, and I turned that car off. I kicked it in neutral, and we're like, we're coasting. We're saving gas. We're going down this hill. And so we, we gain momentum and, and speed, and we get up the other hill. We're like, okay, OK, you can make it. You can make it. You can make it. We're halfway up the other hill. We're like, not going to make it. And so I turn it on, and we barely make it sputter up to the next hill. We come to the crest of that hill. We can see there's an exit down there, and there's a gas station. And so I turn it off, and we're just coasting. Coasting, coasting. And then we take the exit. There's a stop sign there. You got to stop at the stop sign. But we're like, if we stop at the stop sign, this is over. We got to keep our momentum here. So we're looking. Is anybody coming? Is any cars coming? Nope. We just cruise right through the stop sign. And we literally, cru- we, we rolled right up to the gas tank or to the gas pump. And I turned the car on. Nothing. <laughs> it wouldn't start. Like, we made it. Yes, come on. But It was scary. You ever been there before? Like we could be stuck and stranded in the mountains of western Montana. Who knows how long this is gonna take us? We're not gonna get home till tomorrow now. I don't know what's gonna happen. It's kind of one of those freaky moments. And some of us have been there before. And we learned the simple but true lesson. You just can't go forever on one tank of gas. We gotta refuel regularly. We gotta refuel. And if you and I try to live on one tank of gas for the next several years, you're gonna run out. You're going to experience empty. And that's essentially what Jesus is saying to the church in Sardis here. Hey, you have ran out of gas. Some of you still have a little bit left, but the rest of you ran out. You are dead. Jesus loves to come and, and speak to us because he loves, because he cares, because he needs to redirect us, because we're running out of gas, because we're living on past memories and past glory. And he's like that gas light coming on. Hey, it's time to, to refuel. You're getting low. You need to seek me. You need me to fill you up. We need this on a regular basis. Friends, we can't live on past experiences and past miracles and past glory. His mercies are new every day. He has called us to to go from glory to glory to glory. We need his presence again today just as much as we did in the past. And if if our memories are bigger than the dreams of our future, then we have a reputation problem. It's important that your future and your dreams are bigger than your past memories. We can't live on the past. The past is great. We can celebrate it. We can remember it. But we need God to do something new today. We need him to fill us up today. So when the memories of the past are bigger than the dreams of our future, we have a reputation problem. Why? Because we're dead. We're dead. And it's time to fill up. So the church in Sardis, they had a reputation problem. Their reputation didn't line up with their reality. Therefore, they were lacking integrity. You know, somewhere along the lines for that church in Sardis, they lost their passion. Who knows why or what was going on, but they, they lost that, that hunger for God. They, they were dealing with false teaching. They weren't dealing with false prophets. They weren't dealing with like a Jezebel spirit like we talked about last week, which by the way is an incredible message you need to listen to if you missed, especially if you're a leader of any form, shape, you know, listen to last week's message. They weren't dealing with that. They weren't dealing with persecution. The church in Sardis is dealing with spiritual apathy and spiritual death. And so somewhere along the line, they got comfortable and, you know, where comfort lead, comfort leads to Complacency and their reputation was no longer their reality. They were not who they said they were. They were not who other people thought they were. They're going through the Christian motions. They're going through the church motions, but they were dead. And if we're not careful, it can happen to us too. A church can have great people like ours, can have great programs, can have great fellowship and Great teaching and lots of great things, but it still can be, it could even be growing, yet going through the motions because it's literally dead on the inside. And we don't want us to end up there. I don't want you to end up there. I don't want our church to end up there. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be part of a dead church. I want to be a part of a church that's alive, that is active, the spirit is on the move because. We're people who are listening to the Spirit, obeying what He says to us, and we're allowing Him to fill us up and use us to change the world around us. So, we need, we need to listen to the Spirit. Let's look at what Jesus goes on to say here in verse 2. He says this, Wake up! Exclamation point. just want to make sure I read it correctly. <laughs> Wake up, He says. Strengthen What remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Back in college, I had a roommate named Barry. Barry was a cool dude, liked him, except for one issue. He had an addiction to his snooze button. Anybody struggle with the same addiction? That snooze button. Whoever invented the snooze button, that is like the most evil technological invention ever known to mankind. Right? So Barry, he would sometimes try to get up before me, and he would always hit the snooze button. And so then I would finally get up, and I'd go to class. I would go to a couple of classes. I'd come back on break between classes. I would. This happened too many times. I'd walk into the room after being gone for several hours, and here's what I would hear. And I'd be like, Barry, you're still sleeping, still in bed. He's like, oh, I'm tired. I was tired. You know, it was rough. You know, and, and so he would inevitably get up out of bed. And walk across the room because he was one of those guys that thought if I put my alarm clock on the other side of the room, and I get out of bed and I hit this, then when I hit the snooze button, I'm like, I'm up. So then I'll stay up. Unfortunately for him, he 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 would do that 27 times, and he'd go right back into bed and fall asleep for another nine minutes, you know. And then it would go off again, and. Uh, Some of us struggle with the same thing, right? I like to blame my old roommate, Barry, for my snooze button problems that I occasionally have. I had a a problem this morning. I hit it a few times. I was exhausted from my trip, and it went off a few times. Amy hates it when that happens. But occasionally, I fall prey to the spirit of Barry, and I hit the snooze button a few times. (laughs) But there's something about being in that bed in the morning, and that alarm goes off, and we just have this, for most of us, some of you are like, it's morning. yeah. let's get up. What a wonderful day. The rest of us, were like, oh. And then we live in this battle between where I'm at feels good and where I need to go next. This is like, I don't, it's just something about laying in that bed. Just it's so comfortable and warm. Anybody feeling me in this? Like, it's. Especially as it gets colder out around here, you know, and the alarm goes off, or if you've ever lived in a cold climate, you know, in the winter, it's like, that alarm goes off and you're laying in your bed, it's all comfortable, and you're like, oh, why would I get out of this? This feels so good. We love our comfort, don't we? And so we hit snooze, and we stay in that warmth, we stay in that comfort, and it feels just glorious. Glorious. And then after snoozing five times, we have to get up and rush out the door and run around and do a lesson where you know, ladies are putting makeup on in the car because they didn't have time to do all that, and we're, we're rushing. Right? But the problem is this, is that we can't experience life until we get out of bed, right? But that comfort and that desire for comfort and warmth keeps us in this place, and that can happen to us spiritually. That happened to the church in Sardis, Sardis. and so Jesus is saying, Hey, wake up! Quit hitting the snooze button. It's time for you to get out of bed. You are dead. So Jesus says, wake up, church in Sardis. Wake up, people. He says, strengthen what remains. And then he goes on to say that your, your deeds are not what they should be. They're not lining up with who I've called you to be. Which we just get to see right there that our deeds are very important to Jesus. That's so Ephesians 2 talks about how we're saved by grace, but we're saved to good works and good deeds. So our deeds are important to him, but thankfully we're not saved by our good deeds and our good works. We're saved by grace. And the good news is this. We're not unsaved by our bad deeds either because God's grace is still there as well. We're thankful for that. But we have a calling to be who we're called to be and to do what God has called us to do. And so Jesus is saying Hey, you have this reputation that you're alive and do all this good stuff, but you're not. Your deeds are not lining up with who you're called to be. And so we see the heart of Jesus, like what you do, it does matter. It's a big deal. And so he says, if you don't change, don't change how you're living, you're going to regret it. So then he goes on, verse 3. He says, remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Obey it and repent. So there's that repentance thing again. Jesus is saying that again to the Christians there in Sardis, again to us, repent. We talked about that a couple weeks ago when we were looking at the church in Pergamum, but repentance is basically just a coming back to Jesus. You say, quit, quit running away from me, going away from me. Come back to me. Repent. And then he says, obey, because it's a big deal. Jesus wants us to walk in obedience to him. That's actually how we show our love for Jesus, by walking in obedience to him. So obedience is so Important. Then he goes on and he says, But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Jesus will come like a thief to those who are asleep, that are dead. Now, it's important to be clear that Jesus is not a thief. In fact, he said himself that the devil is a thief. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, John 10, 10. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have life to the full. So Jesus is not saying, oh, by the way, I'm also a thief. Just like, no, no, no. He's saying, when I come, it'll be a surprise like when the thief in the night comes. You won't be prepared. In fact, you won't even know it happened until you realize later on that you missed it. And so we gotta be ready for Jesus to come. You ever experienced someone stealing from you, like theft, it's just, it feels very, um, yeah, you feel violated, don't you? Like, I've had a couple stereos stolen out of my car. I get in my car the next day, and it's like, oh, seriously? Wouldn't you know, just about six or seven weeks ago, we accidentally left our garage door open in our home, and someone walked into our garage and stole my golf clubs, now, that's a big deal for me. This is the only golf clubs I've had since I was a teenager that I've played on for years and years, I had lots of memorability in there. And so when I finally realized that my golf clubs were gone, man, it just it wrecked me. Now, what happened was the morning after, I remember walking into the garage, and the door was wide open. In fact, and our car door was wide open, too, all night long. And I was like, oh, no, my heart sunk in that moment. I'd run around the garage looking around. I'm like, everything seems to be fine. OK, good. But two weeks later, I'm back in my garage, and I realize for the first time, my golf clubs are gone. And again, my heart just sunk. And I'm like, no. And I realized that this happened two weeks ago. Someone walked into my home while I was asleep and stole something that belonged to me, two golf bags. And you just have this feeling of, of, of feeling violated, but then also you're filled with all these emotions like, you're upset and then you have regret i wish i would have done this would have done this it was one of those nights where uh, the night the door got left open i was i remember i was exhausted i just hit a wall and i went to bed really early that night and so it was one of those things i wasn't even thinking straight i just went to bed normally i do my rounds around the house some of you guys know what i'm talking about i do the rounds i got to check all the doors lock everything i even check the garage door i'll even turn off all the lights that my kids been leaving on all day and i do the whole rounds and that night, I just was so exhausted, it wasn't even things right. I went to bed, and unfortunately, one of the kids had left the garage door wide open. And so someone had come in while we were sleeping that night and stole my golf clubs. And you're filled with regret, like, I wish I would have done this, I should have done this and all this. And can I just say that that feels bad, but if we find ourselves on the back end of missing Jesus coming back, that, the regret, the pain that we're going to feel is going to be so, so I don't want you to be full of regrets in that moment. I want you to be ready. I want you to be ready when Jesus comes back. I want you to be alive and awake. Jesus had several parables about, hey, be awake, be alert, be ready for my return. You talked about 10, uh, 10 virgins, and half of them ran out of oil. The other half still had oil, and it speaks of the Holy Spirit being alive and working in our life so that we're prepared and ready when Jesus, our bridegroom, comes back. And so here he is giving this message again. I will come like a thief in the night. You won't even be ready for it because you are asleep. And then on the back end, you'll realize that you missed something. And oh, by the way, missing this is missing everything. And that's pretty scary. And I don't want you to miss out on that. That's why I pray that you and I would be people who just have this heart posture of every day, Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, fill me. I'm willing and ready for you to do what you need to do in my life again today. You know, what's just as bad as missing out on Jesus coming back is other people around us missing out on Jesus coming back. That's just as bad. And Jesus wants all of us, wants you, and he wants all the people around us to not miss him when he returns. That is the longing in his heart. And I pray that you and I would be ready, and we help other people get ready as well. So this message to the church in Sardis, I think, is a clear warning to us today. Here's what's happening. The Christians in Sardis, they're living for the kingdom of comfort, but they're not living for the kingdom of Christ. They long for comfort. They long to stay in their nice, cushy, warm bed and not get out, spiritually speaking. They they are seeking comfort, but they're not trying to live in the kingdom of Christ, They're actually more focused on fitting in with culture rather than bringing the message of Jesus to their culture. They're not experiencing persecution because they aren't living any different than the world around them. This is why persecution wasn't an issue for the Christians in Sardis. They're living the same as the world around them. They just happen to believe in Jesus. But like other churches, they're dabbling in other religions, doing things, and they just look like everybody else. So they're missing out on the persecution, which they enjoy because it's comfortable. It's easier. And they'd stop telling people about Jesus, sharing their faith. They weren't witnessing. They weren't seeing people's lives changed by the love and the power of Jesus. The church of Sardis is a story of comfort. They didn't want to experience the persecution, so they sought comfort, but then that led to complacency, and then that led to spiritual if we're not careful, we can allow ourselves to go on that same trajectory that they did. We can find ourselves in this place where we pretend we're okay. We love to pretend where everything's okay. As long as other people think that I'm okay, then, then I feel like I'm okay as well, I'm doing well. I mean, we like to pe- people to think that my marriage is awesome and my kids are awesome and they always obey. I look at our pretty kids on social media, we're awesome. And uh, we love to portray these things. It feels good, but it could be inaccurate. And that's scary because we want our reputation and our reality to actually line up. And so we got to take heed this message to Sardis. They were living for the kingdom of comfort, not the kingdom of Christ. And to live for the kingdom of Christ and in the kingdom of Christ, you are going to experience the power and the presence of Jesus, but it is going to cost you something. We are called to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow Jesus. It will be uncomfortable. This is what I love about Jesus. He says, in the midst of living an uncomfortable life, I still have peace for you. In the midst of being uncomfortable, I can still fill you with joy that doesn't even make sense. I love that about God. But we love to kind of go back to that comfort, right? It's all about comfort and comfort. Jesus doesn't promise us comfort, but he does promise to be with us to strengthen us and to help us no matter what we go through. That's what he promises us. And for so many of you that are dealing with things that are very uncomfortable, I pray God's presence and God's peace in your life right now. You need to know he is with you. He is for you. Yes, it's uncomfortable. But let's lean into the kingdom of Christ. Let's not go pursue the kingdom of comfort, which is just selfish. And it's not the path that Jesus has for us. Let's make sure that our reputation and our reality line up. Let's look at these last couple of verses here. Just quickly, and I'll invite Autumn to come up here as well. Thank you. Verse 4 Jesus says, Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. He's saying, Hey, there's a few, there's a remnant of people that are walking in purity, that are devoted to me. Their hearts are dedicated to me. So he said, he overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. So again, we got this message of being an overcomer. What does it mean to be an overcomer? It means just being faithful no matter what you go through. If you are faithful and you do the best you can to walk in obedience, you are an overcomer. And Jesus knows you need his strength to do this. And so he will help you. He will empower you. That's why he sent his spirit to us to help us be overcomers. We need his help to be overcomers. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. And so he's telling all the rest of them hey, follow the example of these people and you can join them as well in being overcomers. He says, I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. And I pray that your name is in the book of life and it's there forever. Jesus never has to blot it out. That's what Jesus wants for you too. He wants you to spend eternity with him, forever with him. He wants to put your name there in that book of life and then never touch it again. So that as you go through life, you know you you have all these promises right now. You can be part of his kingdom right now. But then when he comes and fully establishes his reign and his kingdom in all of its glory for all of eternity, you will be there as well. And, my friends, it will be worth it. No matter what you go through in life, endure, stay faithful. You can be an overcomer. And when when Jesus comes and establishes his kingdom, it will be worth it. Keep your names in the book of life. And then he says, again, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. To the churches. I pray that we just would listen today. Whatever the Spirit wants to speak to you and that you would obey. And you would respond and you would say, yes, Jesus, I'll, I'll do it, whatever it takes. Let's not allow ourselves to be like the Christians in Sardis, where we go after comfort, and then we become complacent, and then we're basically, we're dead. And let's be people who are alive in Christ when Jesus is alive, he rose from the dead, and he wants you and I to walk in life. He wants his church to be alive. Again, I don't want to be part of a dead church. I want to be a part of a church that's alive, don't you? Alive and making a difference in our community, in our city. I want us to be salt and light in our community because we're alive. And I pray, you know, Jesus says several times to other churches, I will remove your lampstand. I will remove your influence. If you don't come back to me and, and, and repent and serve and follow me and just commit to me. And I don't, want us to, I don't want Jesus to remove our lampstand in this community. I want us to be a church that shines bright like a city on a hill for Jesus. And I pray that through your life, through our lives, through our ministries, through our church, we can see lives change for all of eternity by the power of Jesus. Because we didn't give up. We didn't stop witnessing. We didn't stop sharing our faith. We didn't stop being a light. We weren't after comfort, we were after Christ and what he is calling us to do and where he's calling us to live. You know, the verse that comes to my memory about Sardis is where Paul says, we can actually have a form of godliness and deny its power. Oof, wow. I pray that you and I have godliness, that we walk in godliness and the power of God. That's my prayer for us. We would have both people would see and sense the power of God alive and at work in you. That's my prayer for you. So how do we do this? How do we make sure we stay alive? That's what we're talking about here this morning. Staying alive. Staying alive. How do we stay alive in our faith? There's two things I want to give us today. Number one is this. Obey what the Spirit speaks. And number two, share your faith in Jesus. I promise you, if you do these two things, you will continue to grow and that fire will continue to be lit. These two things will will keep you from hitting that snooze button too often, getting out of bed, and experiencing the life that Jesus has for you. Obey what the Spirit speaks and share your faith in Jesus. You know, one of the first things that Christians stop doing in their relationship and their growth process is they stop sharing their faith. One of the first things that happens. Stop telling other people about what God's doing in us and, and telling other people about good news of the gospel of Jesus. Because we get to this place where we just, we, we enjoy our salvation and we get comfortable. And it becomes very uncomfortable for us to share our faith. We don't like uncomfort. That's why I'm saying, if you want to make sure you're growing, share your faith. Talk about Jesus. I think this is one of the main things that strengthens our faith. When you lead someone to Jesus and you're helping them grow and you're discipling them, that's gonna ignite a fire in you like nothing else, my friends. And I pray that we would experience that. Amy and I just had the privilege to be in a really cool mini church conference last couple of days. It was cool for two reasons. One, it was on Laguna Beach, which was awesome. Experiencing a heat wave, walking around in t-shirt and shorts yesterday at the beach, was awesome. Um, But two, because we sat around some... These tables with some world changers. And I'm sitting next to this guy from India and hearing the stories about what they're doing and what's taking place in their country. And, you know, just in just the last couple of years, he's he's only planted like 100,000 churches in India. So tell me about your church, Tyrone. Well, <laughs> uh, we planted a Spanish church. Pretty excited about that. And uh, our online church thing's growing. And uh, we actually do have this service that we're doing at an assisted living facility down the road now, every Sunday afternoon. So that's kind of cool. But I was there to learn from them, to be honest, and soak it in. And one of the people said that, unfortunately, this is according to the Billy Graham Association, 95% of Christians will go to their grave without ever having led one person to Jesus. And stats like that can make us feel very uh, convicted. And I'm not, meaning, I'm not meaning to condemn us by any means, but I'm just praying that we could just flip that. Yeah. Like, only 5% of Christians will go to the grave without leading someone to Jesus. It's important that we are real and authentic about our faith in Jesus and we share. And it's also important that we obey Jesus, (laughs) just obey what he is speaking to us. And what happens when we lose our desire to walk in obedience to him, that is us stepping into complacency. What it is. Jesus didn't call you to be complacent or comfortable, man, he's got a calling on your life, a mandate on your life, and I just pray that you'd experience the amazing adventure that he has for you. So I wanna encourage us with those two things today as we go from here. Obey what the Spirit is speaking to you. Share your faith in Jesus. And we're gonna give you some practical opportunities for this as well. As we move into the holiday season, we're getting ready to come to the end of what we're calling Revelation Apocalypse season one. Okay, season one's coming to an end, but we will come back to Apocalypse Revelation in a couple months. I promise you. Okay, so we've got to go and film and get ready for season two and prepare all of that so that we can release it in a couple months. But as we go into the holidays, we're going into a series that we're calling Christmas at the movies. So we really want to just have some fun, be lighthearted, but also be very evangelistic in this. And so I want you as as you think through joining us on Sunday mornings as we talk about different Christmas movies, and we're just gonna pull the gospel message out of different Christmas movies. It's gonna be fun. Think about some friends that you can invite. And every first-time guest that comes on those first three Sundays in December will get a free Harkins movie ticket to Spider-Man, the weekend that Spider-Man releases. Our church has reserved an entire theater across the street at Harkins on Sunday the 19th. And so we are going to take over one theater ourselves. You can purchase the tickets if you want, but first-time guests, we'll have some set aside for first-time guests, we'll give those to, to them for free. And so it's just one of those kind of fun little, like, hey, come to my church, we'll give you a free movie ticket. And it's just a simple little way to just, oh, that's cool, that sounds good, you know, and what are you guys talking about on, on Sunday? You know, maybe the last that, you know. We're, well, we're talking about Elf and Jesus and how they kind of go together and all so oh, wow, that's interesting. So it's going to be a fun series, but we really want to be evangelistic this holiday season. It's a great time where people are willing to come to church. That's why we're also doing that outdoor movie night. We are actually watching Elf at the outdoor movie night. And so in the parking lot there, if you want to join us, this is a fun thing you can invite friends and family to. But I want you to pray and write down names of people that God has laying on your heart to begin to pray and then begin having conversations with them. It's just a simple action step. But I don't want you to grow complacent and fall asleep. So I'm kind of stirring you up a little bit here. You know, I'm going to ask you to have some conversations that are outside your comfort zone. Invite someone to church. Talk about Jesus. Talk about what he's doing in your life. It'll help you grow. So I just want to encourage you and just kind of nudge you a little bit on that. So once you stand your feet? We're going to pray. We're going to pray about these two things. I want you to close your eyes right now. And I just want you to take a moment. We're just going to pause right here and just listen. What is the Spirit speaking to you to obey? And number two, who is he laying on your heart to reach out to, to share your faith with or invite them to church? Who is that? Just listen right now. Let him speak to you. Just take a moment and just listen to the Spirit. It's important that we do this on a regular basis so we can just really put ourselves in position to hear from Him. And I love that He can speak anything and everything to you that you need to hear. What He's speaking to, what He's laying on your heart. Maybe you're not sure it's God. Write it down and talk to somebody about it. Says, I had this random thought. Okay, that's fine. Write, write it down. Who's coming to your mind? Write those names down. Pray for those people. Let's look at this on the screen again. These are the two things that I want us to really pray through and respond to. Number one, obey what the Spirit speaks, obey, walk in obedience. And number two, share your faith in Jesus. Maybe you want to take a moment and you want to write their name down on that wall back there. Now, we have lots of names of people on there that we've been praying for, and let's be honest. I think only a couple of them have said yes to Jesus. We've got a wall full of names. If you want to add to that in the coming weeks, feel free to, because we're getting ready to take that down. At the end of the year, that prayer wall is going away. We're going to repurpose and do some different things. But I'd love for us to take some time and just pray for salvation, especially in the holiday season that's stressful for some that's joyous for others let's just pray that we'll see salvations who's God laying on your heart put their names down feel free and we just will pray over them over the next six weeks or so as this year comes to an end and let's pray as we pray let's actually have faith that God will move in their life let's actually believe God's word Let's have the nerve to pray prayers that people's lives will actually be changed because of the conversations I'm going to have. Are you with me in this? Is that okay? Like, let's pray with faith because Jesus wants to change people's lives. He wants it. And so I'm just nudging us a little bit here just to really pray about this and have some conversations with people. Maybe you need to do it today. Send them a text. I was thinking about you. How you doing? You don't have to say like, hey, the Lord laid you on my heart in service today and i was praying you know you don't have to say that just hey i was thinking about you how you doing maybe you want to call them actually have a conversation what's going on anything i can pray for you about start just kind of get the ball rolling with some of these people ask them how you're doing ask them how you can pray for them and invite them invite them share your faith man if you can lead them to jesus that's way better than inviting them to church right like we really ultimately we just want to invite people to heaven that's the goal so, But sometimes it starts with inviting them to church, and that's okay. That's okay. So that's why i just saying, hey, have those conversations. Let's invite people. I want to pray over us for this. Okay, Lord, thank you for everybody here today. And we want to receive this message that you spoke all those years ago to Sardis, Lord, for us today. Lord, we want to take to heart the warning. Lord, I pray for those of us that need to stop hitting this news button and wake up. Lord, may we wake up in Jesus' name today. Lord, fill us with that faith and that passion and that hunger and that fervor again. Lord, I pray that you would light a fire again in the name of Jesus right now, Lord. Wake us up. Lord, may we be alive for you, alive with you, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I pray that you would awaken the dead spiritually right now in Jesus' name. Lord, let us not be a dead church. Lord, so we give you permission to move in our lives. Holy Spirit, we want to obey you. Holy Spirit, we want you to move in our church. So we ask that you would do that right now. Awaken us, Lord. We want to be an awakened church right now. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, for those that maybe have never said yes to you, Lord, I pray that they would do that today and make the greatest decision of their life. Saying yes to you, following you, putting their trust in you. And if that's you, just ask for forgiveness of your sins that he took for you on the cross. He took care of it. Just commit to following him, trusting him, to say, Jesus, I'm gonna follow you. You're my, you're my Lord, you're my Savior. Thank you for your forgiveness. Make that decision today and then let us know. Let us know so we can help you move forward on that. It is the greatest decision in your life. So if you need to say yes to Jesus today, do it. That's the beginning of obedience right there. For the rest of us, Lord, I just pray that we would have the strength to obey, the desire to First and foremost, to obey. Lord, if we've grown complacent, forgive us. We've lost the hunger, forgive us. Lord, I pray that you'd stir that up in us again. A hunger, a passion to obey you so that we don't allow our hearts to grow complacent away from you. Lord, we long to be close to you. We long to walk in obedience to you because we love you, Jesus. So help us, Lord, as we hear you. As you speak to us, Lord, we want to walk in obedience to you. Lord, I pray for my friends that they would walk in obedience. Lord, that you'd anoint them in their life, Lord, that they would be light and salt everywhere they go, everywhere they go. Use them in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at Rivers Church. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.